This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. For the first time in 2018, this is a game week podcast. I was expecting cheers. Woo! Or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Derek, <laughs> Derek here. I've got Greg Smith joining me today. Hi. And I've got Jacob Padilla joining me today. Hello. I almost said Padilla, but I did. I stopped myself. Good job. Good for you. You were back on the podcast for the first time in a couple weeks. I am. Yeah, you were back on the podcast for the first time in a long, long time. Correct. Yeah, you just never come to the office anymore. So Was the last time you were on it with us? Like, didn't we have like a big one with Brandon? Maybe. But I don't think all of us I, were I, together. I called in for yeah. one of yeah, them. Yeah, you called in for one of them. Yeah. We weren't together. So I, I always hate doing um, Skype in podcasts because there's there's like somebody will talk and then there's an awkward five seconds and then somebody else will talk and it's nobody wants to step on each other's toes and nobody wants to cut each other off. Yeah. Oh, and especially when there's a three people pod, you'll have both people wait for the five seconds <laughs> and then two will talk at the same time and then they'll both be quiet for five seconds and then they'll talk again and it's just a whole... This is kind of an awkward thing, so it's good to have us all in the same room. Yeah, it is. It's, it's nice good. to be with you guys. It's nice. It's nice to have football back because you were mentioning this before we, like, minutes before we started recording. But it, it's starting to feel like football again. I feel like it hasn't really felt like football this week, just because we haven't talked about Akron a ton. It's been a ton of like roster news and attrition, and like talking about depth chart and talking about like. Other things that don't really have anything to do with what's going to happen, like X's and O's on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Do you guys get that feel too? I think part of it has to do with it's Akron. Uh, last couple of years, you had uh, you had Oregon um, early season games. You had a game like BYU, uh, my first year um, covering this beat. So you had some games to kind of look ahead to. What well, is Frost's first game? Well, that's what I'm saying. This one, it's it's more so the whole experience. The whole Frost era versus a specific game. Okay, that's because there's not a whole lot of exciting about Akron. I I totally agree with that, and the fact that, and I told you this, Derek. I think it was Tuesday. It was early in the week when I was over it, just tired of talking about the depth chart um, and player movement and all of that. Like I'm ready for actual games and something to sink our teeth into because this is really exciting. Like it is, I think, going to be a lot of fun, especially you know, knock on wood that it goes the way that a lot of Husker fans are hoping it goes eventually um, for Nebraska. That this has potential to be very fun um, and exciting, so I'm looking forward to it. That darn Tristan Gebbia had to mess up our week and <laughs> break some news on a Monday. I was expecting my Monday to be nice and, and smooth and calm, and I was going to be able to get home at a decent time with the press conference at, at like the afternoon-ish. Mm-hmm. I was expecting to be able to sleep in a little bit, wake up, go to the press conference, go home at a decent time. Nope, we had breaking news. And then Tuesday happened, and I was just praying that, you know, the black shirts weren't going to get handed out, or I wanted that to happen. Mick Stoltenberg <laughs> wasn't going to announce the Tours ACL or something like that. Like, don't even put that out. I'm there. ready. Why would Why would you even say that? <laughs> I'm ready for football. what has Mick done to you? He hasn't done anything to me. Except I, he doesn't. His, his hypothetical ACL. <laughs> he, he didn't 
He was break his pinky toe. Better? <laughs> okay, that's that's much better. He would play through oh, it. He played through that. Like, yeah, he wouldn't even <laughs> feel it. He played through that, so that's good. I like that. Okay, so before we get into the podcast, because we didn't script this, so I don't even know what we're going to yeah. talk about, so this will give me time to think. What is one non-Nebraska-related thing that you are looking forward to most in this football season? Greg, you go first. Oh, that easy for me is uh, what's going on at USC. The JT Daniels winning their starting quarterback job after skipping his senior season in high school, coming in in the summer, and then being the starting quarterback at USC, who is a a perennial Pac-12 championship contender, is just completely fascinating to me. Like I'm really looking forward to seeing that unfold. I'm looking forward to seeing Aaron Rodgers play football again. You did say football season. You did not specify college. So I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. Boo this man. (laughs) Boo this man. Aaron Rodgers secured the Brinks truck this week. He's worth every penny. Man, that's a lot of money. Hey, but guess what? Andrew Wiggins is still making more guaranteed money over his next contract. Is Nick Batoon as well? Is that still? Not yet. Yeah. Not quite. NFL is so garbage. <laughs> Andrew CBA Wiggins is, so is something like $146 million guaranteed. That's insane. Over five years. Yeah. Okay, college football. You buffoon. <laughs> Rule bender. Um... I don't know if there's one thing specific. I'm, I'm the kind. I don't. I'm not a kind of the the type of college football fan that like looks at schedules and plans. Like, All right, I'm going to watch this game and this game and this game. I pretty much just kind of turn on the TV and tune to whatever game at that window interests me. Especially because working for Nebraska, a lot of time on Saturday, um, I don't really have choices to make. It's just whatever's on the TV in the press box and sure. whatever is going on when Nebraska isn't. So there's not a team that you are curious how they do this year? Not in particular. Really? Uh, yeah, no. It's, I mean, I'm intrigued by basically anybody of consequence in the Big Ten because that's um, relevant to our interests. So what does Shea Patterson Can you win look a game? Like? What does, I will watch you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does Ohio State look like with everything going on there? Just kind of um, some of those... Um, Teams like that that all that are on Nebraska's schedule, but okay. So, so Derek, well, I don't know, Derek, what's yours since you've been stalling? Well, to... I I have a team that I will I will put you on the radar of because I think you will enjoy them this season. New Mexico State, they <laughs> might pique your interest. They got flattened last week, <laughs> um, and then lost something like forty-eight to ten to Minnesota yesterday. So maybe that will be a team that you would like. They have cool pistols on their helmet. And they have the mismatched helmets, so there's the pistol decal on one side and numbers on the other side. I didn't, so. get, I didn't like that. Minnesota's back. Oh, God. <laughs> Were there they was ever a, here? In <laughs> the, like, 40s. Okay. There was a punt return in that game that Minnesota scored a touchdown off of, and the guy literally had seven tacklers bounce off of him. <laughs> they had their arms on him and could not tackle him. That sounds a lot like what we saw in Lincoln last year. But never mind. We're, it's, it's Moving on. New season. <laughs> new season. My team of interest is Central Florida because last night they absolutely destroyed UConn. 56-10. to 10. Like People were filing out in the third quarter. Mackenzie Milton missed eight passes. It was 32 on the day. He had 350 yards. He had five touchdowns. He had another 50 yards rushing. Looked, I mean, he, he was swagging on him. Like, looked... Like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So I'm very curious to see. And there was, like, early in the fourth quarter, they were averaging about three points a minute. They had possession for like 16 minutes and they had 49 points at that point. Like, just ridiculous numbers. 
and we were joking about it before the season, before their first game about, you know, everybody saying that this offense was going to be faster and more efficient. And I was like, well, I mean, it kind of should as you're more comfortable in it. But they were so fast last night. So I'm curious to see if that holds up all season long when they're not playing, like, you know, Division three opponent. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Sorry, Bob Diaco. I, I was going to say, did, did, did UConn rehire Bob Diaco? They dropped Uh, Okay, so let's just on that note, what are we looking forward to the most on Saturday from Nebraska? Jacob, first. Oh, man, that's a tough question to come up with one answer Don't do the cop-out. I don't I don't. I just want to see good football. No, no, I just want to see what it looks like. Let's see. Uh, Probably, I think the defense in particular and the combination of pass rush and coverage in the secondary – what does that whole thing look like? Obviously, we know Eric Tanner wants them to be more aggressive. It's a complete 180 from what they were last year. What does that look like? How do the players react um, when the, when the play's live? Um, what does it look like? Lamar Jackson out there in coverage on Jackson Island. What's that going to look like? Is he going to actually be able to cover guys one-on-one now? Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how that those kind of parts of the defense fit and go along with each other because – you, one of those two, at the very least, has to be really good to make up for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking to see which guys provide that pass rush and which of these corners can actually cover somebody because the answer was none of them Do last job. year. Do your job. Okay. The offense. Sorry to say, <laughs> but this is now an offensive program. So when you hire Scott Frost, as Brandon likes to say, a borderline genius play caller, who's definitely an offensive coach who has the history that he has with quarterbacks, I don't think it's borderline. You, I, can, you can just okay, say Okay, can I drop the borderline? Yeah, you can drop the borderline. Play okay, but I want to see this program evolve into an offensive program. And I think it starts this weekend, and specifically I want to see Adrian Martinez. I think that, and I've said a bunch of times, I think he's going to be really good like right out of the gates. And part of that is I think that the weapons around him, the more I think about it, there are just too many weapons, I think, on this team. Like that even if, like let's just say, just to pick a random guy, no shade to you, Tajon, but let's say Tajon Lindsay turns out to not be very good this season. They have other guys that you feel like you can be confident in that can step up and fill that role. If Greg Bell... Um, does not have the year that we maybe think he's going to have or isn't as effective, they're going to be a little bit slowed down in the run game, but you maybe can offset that with, say, Adrian Martinez being able to pick up some of that slack, and if Maurice Washington is what Scott Frost and Troy Walters thinks he will be. So I'm really looking forward just to seeing the offense unfold after what felt like such a struggle to even get first downs last season, like to see what they could do on offense this year, I I think is going to be really cool. Interesting. We're going to hit on Greg Bell in a second. That's one of the things that I want to hit on, so we'll get back to him. I I think I'm most looking forward to the defensive line. I think that I kind of just running through things in my head. I think that's what I'm most looking forward to seeing because there was no pressure last year. There was no havoc last year. There was no disruption or or any kind of like, oh, hey, this is kind of a decent defensive line. Like, like there was no signs of that last year. When in Nebraska's history has that been the case? When has there ever been a defensive line that you looked at and you said, ugh? It was just remarkably unremarkable. (laughs) And it's not because there's not talent. Like, Mick Stoltenberg is pretty good. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Freedom is pretty good. I was about to try to say his last name. I was like, Freedom Freedom is pretty good. Carlos Davis, the Davis twins are pretty good. I think Damian Daniels is going to be a pretty good player. 
DeAndre Thomas shows and things like that. He's third stringer. I like him a lot. Uh, And and that's before even talking about who my breakout defensive player is this year in in Ben Stilley. Mm -hmm. Like, I I would like to see... And I I tried to ask a little bit about this during fall camp. Like, do they want defensive linemen to just be dominant pass rushers and guys that, you know, teams are having to double and triple team and throw a lot of bodies at and keep running backs in the backfield to block? Or are they looking for something else? And and Mike Dawson was essentially like, we just need them to eat up blocks. Like we don't, we need them to be pushing back the line of scrimmage and, and recreating the line of scrimmage. But we don't need, like we're not looking for guys to get double and triple teamed. And I found that strange. But if you if you think about their scheme, like when we look at Central Florida, like last year, their three leading tacklers were all inside linebackers, and then number four was a safety. Like the goal of their offensive line is to just eat up blocks and and make it so that the linebackers can wreak havoc in the backfield but if the defensive line can provide anything if Ben Stilley could be a guy that is a dominant pass rusher they, like they're, they're gonna be good like I think that defense can be really good like that that bumps up I think everything defensively like you can do a lot more defensively if you have that so that's what I'm looking forward to seeing um, I don't know that Akron's offensive line is the best that Nebraska will play this season. So <laughs> probably I gotta feel safe in saying no. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to temper expectations based on what we see, but what? But you know, it's funny that you say that though about when you asked Dawson about eating up double teams and maybe getting some triple teams. Um, that prompted me to go back and watch the Central Florida Auburn game just to see how much penetration they were getting and if those guys were causing any havoc. Like they actually were doing a really nice job of getting in the backfield mm-hmm. and having tackles for loss in that game from the defensive line. And then it, it's just watching that against Auburn with UCF and then thinking about what Nebraska was doing last year, it's just so odd. Like it's going to be so weird after going through all of last year to see attacking defense as a whole but also seeing defensive linemen kind of turn loose a little bit um, and have some more freedom and some of the guys talked about throughout the spring and fall about like being excited to play in the defense because they are allowed to go get after it now yeah it's going to be exciting and fun for fans but I think more than anything for the people covering the team it's going to be weird Yes. Because we got yes. we got used to, a lot of weird stuff. We, I mean, we got used to corners playing ten yards off the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage last year. We got used to not seeing a ton of pressure and matador like defense. So it'll it'll be weird and an adjustment for us. To Offensively, like, it will. be They're too, so though. good. Yeah. And be like, oh wait, they're playing Akron. Yeah. <laughs> Offensively, though, there'll be an adjustment too. Think about the people that like to chart plays and all that stuff. Like that stuff is going to be very difficult. Um, I, I look forward to Jacob seeing the participation report. Yeah. Um, the first, I'm like, there's a bunch of stuff that's going to just be a little foreign for a couple of games. Here. Brandon Vogel has had to, to change the way he does play charting. And yeah, he's you know, not going to be able to. Said he's had had to do some some offseason conditioning himself to, <laughs> nice. to get ready for the speed. So we did a a 2018 season predictions post. We did one last year, and all of us were wrong except for Jacob because he's a genius. Um, but we did one again this year, and that just went live on HailVarsity.com as of recording this podcast Friday morning. So make sure you go read that because we hit on a bunch of things. But I want to talk to you guys about two of those questions in there, and we're going to talk a little bit more about them. The first one on offense, and, and you mentioned Greg Bell. Um, the question was, a Nebraska running back gets 800 yards this season. Adrian Killens at Central Florida last year topped out at 790. Nebraska hasn't had a 1,000-yard rusher in a long time. And we had Brandon and I had started at the 1,000-yard mark for that question, and then we bumped it down to 800. Because 800 feels like if they have a really, really good runner this year, it's going to be 800 and not 1,000. I think it's going to be Greg Bell. Because I don't know... How, how much 
Maurice Washington needs to catch up, both in terms of, of his body and being physically ready for a full 12-game season and nine games in the Big Ten. And I don't know how much of the playbook he's got ready to go. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to... which makes me turn to Greg Bell, who was here in the spring and hasn't really been talked about much this fall, but I think he's going to be really good. Well, I I think he'll be good. I keep saying that about everybody. I think he'll be good for what they're going to ask him to do, and I think he has the potential to hit 800 yards. So let's start with you two, whoever wants to go first. Just blurt it out. (laughs) Me. If you talk over each other, that's preferred. (laughs) Uh, Does a running back hit 800 yards? No. No. I I don't think a running back hits 800 yards, but I do think that Greg Bell represents the best opportunity for that. I I agree with you on that. Um, I do think, I agree with your assessment that he's good (laughs) and that he has a potential to be very good. We are on the same page. (laughs) We are on the same page with that. But I don't don't think it's his fault necessarily that we haven't talked about him as much in the spring. And I don't think you you were saying that. But I think the excitement around Maurice Washington, which Mm -hmm. I do think is real, um, and and the, the reason, number one, I actually think that about Maurice Washington is because Scott Frost has continuously said that he's special. Troy Walters has said he's special. And those guys just don't throw out a lot of praise. That's one thing in the short term or time that we've been around that Frost well Troy does a little more but Frost (laughs) really does not um but Greg Bell I think will be pretty good um in this offense I don't the I don't worry as much about Maurice Washington needing to catch up on the playbook because I feel like this coaching staff believes in if we can if you're a good enough athlete to get on the field for us we'll find a way to have a package of plays for you. Even if we can't give you the whole playbook, we're not going to sit you on the bench and make you suffer just because you don't have the whole playbook down. There have been past coaching staffs that very much believe in that. I don't think that these guys do. And I think you'll see that with Maurice Washington, Miles Jones, Caleb Tanner on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think the long-winded way of saying I don't think that someone gets to 800 yards. Sure. And I also, like, they're not going to... He's too talented to just sit him on the bench for reasons like that. He's going to play. Do you think? Um, do you think of the previous coaching staff would have sat him on the bench though if he didn't yes. know the playbook? Right, and so that's why that's, it's such a weird thing now to even think about that being the case. But I, I totally agree with you. I uh, I went with yes. I think he does get there. Um, part of the reason you look last year and Adrian Killens got to seven ninety. He did not have more than fifteen carries in any single game last year. That was the high. That's 15 16. carries and no, it's oh, 15, 15. I think okay. twice, um, but so that was it. So um, I think part of that has to do with his frame, and they wanted to keep him fresh. He's five eight, one fifty five, I think is what he's listed at. He is not a big dude. Greg Bell is six foot two hundred. He can take a little bit more punishment. You can give him more carries without him running down. I think, and I, I think for Washington, you'll see something probably similar to what they did with Adrian Killens as a freshman. Um, he got 50 carries and turned him into 325 yards last year, or his freshman year. So I think that's something where Washington will definitely be part of the rotation. He'll get uh, maybe five carries a game, five somewhere in that range. Um, uh, that, that's about four. a little low. Oh, I mean, Killens was uh, 3.85 carries a game as a freshman in Frost's first year. So just kind of, I think he'll be a little bit more than that, but that I wouldn't be shocked to see him as that kind of change of pace, especially you've got Ozigbo will get some carries in there as well. And then you've got um, uh, Bell there, I think will be the, I, I don't think he's getting to 1,000. I think if he does clear 800, it'll be by a little bit. But I do think he'll be the guy that gets the most touches and has the most opportunity to get there for sure. So future question that was not scripted here, 
Dude, this Nebraska, I know, but it's even less scripted because you didn't have. You're not the one asking the question. Does Nebraska <laughs> like in the in the next four years? Yes. Does Nebraska have a thousand yard yes. rusher? Do they get to the point like Oregon, where it feels like they might have two? Do they get to that point? I don't know that they'll get to that point because Oregon was using. I mean, in that time, it was what D'Anthony Thomas and. Who was the other guy? Like Michael was, James was that Kenyon Barner? I mean, yeah, Kenyon Barner. That was Tom, who I was trying to think of. Yeah, Thomas wasn't anywhere close to that. Well, but I'm talking about in terms of, yeah. of how they used them. Like it was two guys. I Nebraska Nebraska will use more than two guys because this offense uses more than two guys. I think you know we're, when we we've talked extensively, Greg, you and I have about what we think the running back carry distribution is going to mm-hmm. look like. And when we talk about those numbers, like we don't even talk about the, the wide receivers. JD and, right. and Tajon and Stanley getting carries, which they probably will get carries. I the closest thing that I think of when this thing gets up and running, I think it'll look a little like uh, they use Royce Freeman at Oregon when he because Scott was there for that was his last two years when Royce was there. I think. Well, yeah, that would have made sense because last year was Royce's senior. Um, he was a thousand yard back both years, and he was a guy that was used as a workhorse. I think right now and early in the season, and, and maybe even like. When we get to the midway point, it's still happening. But I think if, and Helda said this, if a guy shows that he's really damn good, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll use him more. Yep. They'll, they'll put him in more of a workhorse role with guys spelling him. They're not just going to, to split carries evenly across just the line. Just for the sake of doing Yeah, it. just for the sake of doing and it. And just looking back at Oregon, they never had a guy, a second guy close to 1,000. 770, I think, was the the cap for the second leading rusher on the team over the last... Which would That's be, close. Which would be not... Like, if you think about a situation in which you're, you've got your top guy over 1,000 and then you can get to that about yeah. 700 mark, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And that's where they sat, settled in, like at five, six, seven. Hundred and that range has that second guy with that because they had Michael James, Royce Freeman. They've had some dudes that um, were pure workhorse backs that got as many carries as they could handle. I also don't think Adrian Martinez is ever going to to be the team's second leading rusher. Maybe that's a hot take to to say. I think he'll he'll settle in three hundred yards. I think is probably just be just dangerous enough. Mariota yeah. was the guy that was 770 as a junior. As um, the as a guy that Frost keeps keep saying that they didn't yeah. want him to run, but yeah. he was so talented. Wow. Like, you just couldn't. He was their second leading rusher all three years. He had more than 700 yards all three years. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that Adrian will ever hit that. And it surprises me that Marcus was the guy because I was thinking, like, he's a good enough passer to where you don't have to. To have that element, but to he be was. Successful I think, well, I think the thing was they were so efficient. If you pull those passing numbers, um, he was so efficient. Well, he had something like close was, to five thousand yards yeah. his Heisman season. So Milton had um, six hundred and thirteen yards last year, one hundred and six carries as a sophomore, and he's a lot smaller than Martinez is. See, that's more than I remember. He did his uh, freshman year. He only had like one hundred and forty some yeah, yards. He, hmm. um, he, he ran it a bit, but it wasn't nearly. Last year, he. I mean, you opened. I think just how. Well, they got that offense humming, the, the pass offense run. That opened up so much for the quarterback within what they do. Because you can't take away everything. When they got this thing rolling, there are so many weapons out there that somebody's going to be open. A lot of times the quarterback is that, that last one because, I mean, you can't, you can't leave a guy running down the field. You can't let a guy break off a big run out of the backfield. He's kind of the last guy that you think about with a lot of teams. Um, so I, I think 
I'll, 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 I'll definitely take the over on 300 yards for Martinez throughout his career, like for the average. I think 300 to 400 is about right. And part of my reasoning for that is because I also think Nebraska's, Nebraska can get more talented running backs than Central Florida or Oregon can on the recruiting trail. Yes? I, I don't know about I think Oregon. they're going to have the same. I think that the best case scenario is they have the same caliber of running backs as Oregon. And I don't mean that that's not, I don't think that's a slight because if you, we were talking LaMichael James, DeAnthony Thomas, yeah. Kenyon Barner, Royce Freeman, I happen to think those guys are really good. All NFL so if, like, for the yeah, most part. so if Royce is the watch. best one out of that group, and I think Nebraska can recruit better than that. Michael James recruit is really and then darn develop good better than that. At Oregon. Yeah, those guys were really good up there. I'm talking just pure running backs. I'm not talking system running backs. I'm talking pure running backs. Look at the guys that Oregon put into the NFL. Royce is going to have the best career of any of them. Yeah, I, I would agree with that because he's the best. I, I wouldn't be surprised. You were about yeah. to say he's the best running back in the yeah. group. Yeah. yeah, okay. In terms of pure running back talent, I think he was the best. And when they had him, he was utilized in that workhorse role. And he hit 1,000 yards his last two seasons with Frost. That's what I. That's where I see that's your base the line. offense going. Yes. Huh. Yeah, because I think Nebraska... Nebraska, like the school, it sells itself on being able. And Ryan Held has talked about well, it's this. It's running back. You, running back. Oh, yeah. it, it sells itself on on if you're a good running back, you come here and you turn into a great running back. The situation over the last couple of years with running back <laughs> recruiting so is sad. a complete anomaly to so what sad. the history has been here yes. with running backs. And when yeah, they I get the offense up and running, they will be able to sell that much easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah that that was probably one of the most. Like, how do you go from that that? Train they were on from uh, with Rex Burke, yeah, and Mir Abdullah, and, well, and, and, and Halu, like, <laughs> yeah, like that. I mean, you had all those dudes basically um, right after the other couple of times, three of the guys in the same backfield, um, like Halu, Burkhead, then Abdullah. They're all NFL backs. They're all really good college backs, and then and they might nothing. they might have a little bit of that right now, especially next season if Bell is still around and Maurice Washington bulks up. Like, you've got two really, really good running backs. I so, do see that coming as soon as next year. Yeah, so you've got you've got 800 yards, yes. You've no, got, I've got 800 yards. You've got under? No, you've got 800 under, yards, yes. yes. I've got 800 yards, yes. Let's talk about another question that we had in the, the predictions. Who has the better bounce-back season between the secondary and the offensive line? Because both were so bad last year. <laughs> uh, who wants to go first? You went first last time, so you go first. Okay, I'll go. So I answered the secondary Simply because I think they had they have farther to bounce back because I think the way they asked them to play last year they were even worse than the defensive line, so I think you're going to see the second like the the change is going to be a lot more dramatic I think for that back end because again like we mentioned earlier they're actually going to be asked to cover guys mm-hmm. it's a revolutionary concept that I've heard, I've heard about where you actually stay within five yards of the guy you're supposed to cover so he can't catch a ball easily but i think they're going to try it i, I mean we'll, we'll see this Fisher year might believe it's, in that yeah you know? it's, <laughs> it's a bold what, strategy Cotton. is that what the packers do <laughs> <laughs> they are the cream of the crop when it comes to football well no, yeah the flag they, bearers when it comes to now they got innovation. jair alexander and josh uh jackson they'll be just fine but. i think you could do an entire podcast just talking about the packers i mean i think you could do two on the suns <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, not, that's, that's not talk about that now. How I'm do you feel about Marquise Chris getting traded for Ryan Anderson? You're sad, weren't you, about Chris leaving? 
Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back on, back on top to the corners. You think the secondary is where the bounce back is? And that goes with uh, the, the guy that we both pick for our kind of surprise performer, and mm-hmm. it's Lamar Jackson. Um, I think he's talented, so put him in a position to use his talent as opposed to having to do something he's not good at, and then that kind of leads to breaking down his entire game. So give him a little bit of confidence, let him go cover guys, and I think you'll see a good play out of him. Yeah, I, I also went with the secondary on this for a lot of the same reasons as Jacob, because I just think that, A, um, I, I think the more aggressive scheme will help. Um, B, I really believe in Travis Fisher. Like, that's a guy that I think is I've been pretty impressed with um, so far in the times that we've gotten to talk with him, and I think he knows exactly what he wants and what it needs to look like in his mind in the secondary. Um, and UCF had good secondaries um, in the couple of years that they were there. So I, I think that he'll get that thing turned around, um, and they'll be much better in the secondary. And I think they have a lot more bodies, especially That's... at safeties and guys that can be versatile and roll down. And I, I think that'll be something to keep an eye on because I don't know how they're going to – get all of those guys in the secondary, especially at safety snaps. Well, and that's the defensive line is a lot of the same dudes. You got a lot of new faces in that secondary. Mm -hmm. And then you got a guy like DiCaprio Boodle, who was kind of the third fiddle back there. um, And it's going into his sophomore year. So he's a a young guy that you can project a lot of improvement out of versus a lot of those defensive linemen. They're juniors, they're seniors outside of Stilly that you've seen play for a while now. So, I think one of these has been said on the radio, and I think one of these has been said on the podcast with you. I have said Nebraska will have a top 50 defense this year. That was on the podcast. Okay. And I have also said they won't lose by more than 20 in a game this year. Both of those predictions hinge on the defense being better. (laughs) So I think I have to say secondary. And that is my reasoning. Because I'm not really sure what to. I, we've we've heard a lot of like, oh yeah, I'm much more confident in the secondary now than I was coming into the fall or yeah. you know leaving the spring. We've heard a lot about that. We haven't heard a ton about you know. I'm really confident in the offensive line. They've been a little hesitant to go there. I feel like. I think yeah. Like I've like, got that, that okay, Is that the vibe that everybody's getting? Because it just doesn't like. Even the guys that you think that they're confident in, like Brendan Hymas, I think they really like it. I think that they think he can be very good. But you still don't get a ton of outward praise. And maybe that's a Greg Austin. I don't know if that's a Greg Austin thing and that he's played it pretty close to the vest, maybe. Um, but it just doesn't feel like you've heard the amount of praise. Like, if we rated or ranked who's gotten the most praise by position group, offensive line would be way down there. Mm-hmm. Down there with kicker, because he just, process doesn't talk about it. He doesn't talk about it a lot. But, like, he talks about kickers as much as he talks to reporters. That's right. Zing. That wasn't his best work. Singer. <laughs> the nice socks line was much better. That was my favorite moment ever in a press conference. That and then, what was? The they give us. Oh these, yes. The, these he asked shirts like with the names on the back. Yes. God, that was Get to amazing. Know his uh, players. So. Greg says we need to talk about recruiting, so let's talk about recruiting next. <laughs> you put me on the spot now. If I don't bring the goods, you got to bring the fire, my friend. So who's coming this weekend? Who who do Husker fans need to know about who's coming this weekend? Well, I guess you kind of have to start with Wondell Robinson, who was uh, at the Purdue game last night, actually. Um, three-star running back out of Kentucky. Uh, had 294 yards and five or six touchdowns last week on 12 touches in his high school game. Um, it was the perfect fit for Ryan Held um, in this offense. I, I think that... 
Nebraska's in a battle with Purdue and Ohio State and Alabama and a couple others, but having an opportunity to get him on campus is, is a really big deal, especially coming off of the Purdue visit where Purdue is the team he's visited the most. He really likes Jeff Brom's offense. Um, so I'm, I'll be very curious to talk to him afterwards to see his compare and contrast of the atmosphere at Purdue for their game and the Nebraska game. Um, you've also got a slew of offensive linemen coming in this week, which I think that a lot of Husker fans will be very, very excited about um, on an unofficial visit for the 2019 class. You have Danielson EK, um, you have 2024 star, one of the best linemen in the region for that class, Turner Corcoran. Um, you also have Brant Banks. Um, you have, I'm forgetting, pause. Who are the other, there's, there is no pause button. There's pause, we're hitting pause, I gotta look it up now. <laughs> wow. I was rolling and then I totally <laughs> were lost it. That's why I don't stop and take a breath. Who are you trying to think of? Offensive Can't stop, linemen. never stop. There's two more offensive linemen. Just, I mean, oh, just so you're aware, Bryce this is all staying in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Then you also have four-star <laughs> offensive lineman out of Minnesota, Bryce Benhart, who Nebraska's in a battle with Wisconsin and Michigan for. You also have Donovan West, an offensive lineman out of California, um, who's a throwback player, really nasty and physical on uh, his huddle tape. Um, so Greg Austin has a really big weekend, along with um, Travis Fisher, because he can close the deal on Taiwan Mullen, a cornerback out of South Florida that him and Jovan DeWitt have been working on for a while. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a huge visitor list. You, people may have expected a bigger list overall but every one of those targets is really important to what they're trying to do especially the secondary guys in the offensive linemen um, because those are really really key positions this year's cycle oh and nebraska did good work to get ben hart down here right yep. they had to get a waiver for him because his uh, high school season hasn't started yet such a weird situation <laughs> so the ncaa and their infinite wisdom allows you going into your senior season to take those visits over the summer right but then once the season hits, it ha- you have to have your school start before you can then take a visit. Like, it's such a weird NCAA loophole thing well, to have happen. Because, so you want the kids skipping out, like, trying to make a visit while they're in in season? Like, right. Wouldn't, wouldn't it make sense want if you've got an open way. weekend yeah. to... Yeah, so that's a, and that's a big deal to get Ben Hart on campus because he's visited Wisconsin a, a couple of times and he's actually been to rookie. He's it was me this time. <laughs> yes, mine's on mute. <laughs> good. Um, he's actually been to campus uh, this summer with his dad, um, and they had a really good connection with the staff. He does not talk a lot at all, um, so it's really hard to come by information from him, but I do know that they like the staff a lot, and Nebraska's in a really good position with him. It would not shock me if Bryce Benhart ended up in the class after this weekend. Awesome. Got the recruiting news that you rolled through with no pauses, <laughs> had everything that was right there ready to recall. Kept it rolling you. Uh, through the distractions, through some noise. Yeah, there's all this noise up there. <laughs> yeah, this, this intern that we have in the office. Forgot to, <laughs> Blame the intern. Forgot to put his computer on mute, so we had a Slack notification. I wish off. we had an intern. We do have an intern. I mean, no, I had an intern that no, could transcribe, your own personal yeah, transcribe audio for me. No, we'll get an intern. Put that as one of your goals. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, send that to Gorman as one of your goals. Let's talk about Akron because that's the last thing we're going to do before we close out this podcast. You're funny. Let's talk about Akron and the game this weekend. So the Zips went 7-7 seven and seven last year, went to their MAC conference championship game. 
They turned it over at quarterback midseason to Cato Nelson, who was more of a dual threat than the guy that they had previously. Cato is back, as is six other, five other offensive starters. They returned nine starters on defense. The defense was really the strength of Akron last year. Offensively, uh, with Cato Nelson running the show, they had as many sub-100-yard passing games as they did 200-yard passing games, which is not good. Uh, they were three points below national, three percentage points below the national average and explosive play rate, which is also not good. Um, and there's the chance that offensive inconsistencies carry over into this season. So just know that Akron is better defensively than they are offensively. And maybe better is not the right way to put it, but more consistent. So we'll say that. So we've got a game Saturday at 7 p.m. Hopefully you have listened to this podcast by then. What is your score prediction? Jacob, you go first. So I uh, and I think I went with 38-13. Um, it's kind of just what I came up with yesterday when I was asked about it. Um, I'm like five touchdowns and a field goal and then um, something like that. I think that's pretty solid first game production. Um, I, I think Akron returns a lot, but I don't think they've got a ton of difference makers defensively in terms of guys that are really going to wreck what Nebraska is trying to do on offense. So as long as they can be relatively sharp, I think they'll move the ball and be able to score some points. Um, so it's kind of right uh, that my prediction is right around kind of where the line is in that 25 um, range. I, I guess it de- I don't know where it's at now, depending on where you're looking at, but it was like 24 and a half, 25, 26, somewhere in that range was kind of what I saw when I was looking at. It. So yeah. I think that's pretty close to what it's going to be. It'll move a lot before the yeah. game even kicks off. So always does with Nebraska. Yeah, Greg, I'm gonna go 38-21, Nebraska. Close. I think I, I don't. Well, I think I don't think the game will be as close as that score indicates. So we'll go that way. Um, I think Akron gets a couple of long touchdowns on Nebraska with guys taking chances, um, but Nebraska's offense is fairly good in the game with some nice building blocks moving forward. Interesting. I got 46 to 17. Akron. Wow. No, Nebraska. It's a big number. (laughs) 46 to 17. You got uh, Bear Pickering getting a couple of field goals in there. I think the emotional bonus, there's an added bonus that comes with all of the emotions that are going to be running through the game because it it is Frost's first game, and I think the players are going to be fired up and and win one for the skipper, you know. I think that's going to be not the only motivation because – it's the first game of the season, so hopefully the players have motivation given what happened last year. But I think it'll be a bonus. And that's where I get the extra seven or eight points from. Cool. I like it. Sounds fun. good. It's, it'll be fun. Football is finally here. It's back. It is. We'll be back next Friday, hopefully talking to somebody from Colorado on the podcast. We cannot get anybody from Akron this week. Blame our intern on that one, too. <laughs> did you even try to get somebody from No, Akron? I did. Yeah, blame, blame our intern on that one, too. <laughs> See your turn, Paul. There was a... She dropped the ball. Keep it with Hale Varsity through the weekend. We will have all the coverage from Saturday. We'll have coverage Sunday morning. Greg will have some recruiting stuff to keep up with. Jacob Padilla is going to have volleyball stuff. Are they playing the weekend, too, or just Friday? Uh, they got three matches, two today, one on Saturday. Jacob Padilla will have volleyball all through the weekend as well. So keep it on HaleVarsity.com, and we will be back next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.